This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. The Jay Severin Show. Barack and I were raised with so many of the same values, like... You work hard for what you want in life, that your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going to do, that you treat people with dignity and respect. From a young age, my parents impressed on me the values that you work hard for what you want in life, that your word is your bond and you do what you say and keep your promise. That you treat people with respect. Today we learn a new Latin word, verbatim, and intrigue, trash, real politics. We didn't have to wait long, did we? Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest. I am Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393, 1-888-900-3393. Will we be able to get it into two hours? Let's see. We are living history together again today. All right, let me say this right off the bat, and we will return to it. I hope in the form of argument, and that's up to you. Not a fight. I'll fight if you want, but I'd prefer to argue at one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. I mean, it is a good day for both, in as much as history is being struck right now, as we're here together. And also, I have some firm uh, opinions on this, also known as facts. I've endeavored, as usual, to check out what uh, others are saying, analyzing the impressions of people who offer their impressions for a living. And so far as I can tell, as we go to air, no one has it right but me, which means you, because we're partners. And here it is. Here is the quintessence of the entire matter. I will, you can count on me to repeat it, and uh, I've tweeted it, let me say it here. I'm going to read from my tweet, because the tweet is perfect, like my humility, okay? The Trumps, Trumps, plural, the Trumps are plagiarism victims, stabbed in the Front by never-Trump insider saboteurs. 
This is not, continuing to read verbatim from my own tweet, this is not, quote, plagiarism or sabotage. This is sabotage via plagiarism. Let me repeat this. The Trumps are victims of plagiarism, stabbed by never-Trump insider saboteurs. This is not, as many things this is, but one thing it's not, is plagiarism or sabotage. No, it's sabotage via plagiarism. Now, if that is something with which you disagree, or it is, I, I've failed to make it clear, I can't wait for your call. I'll stop the monologue right now to take your call. one 888 900 What do you think happened last night? Also, do you think that Trump's side ought to be talking about it? Which is a question, probably the number one question. There are assessments, statements, opinions, analyses to be made here. But probably the number one question is, if I'm for Trump, or said another way, if I'm against Clinton, should I even be talking about this? Are the Trumps making, are the Trump supporters, are the Clinton opponents making a mistake even talking about this? Because it's, at the very least, terribly embarrassing and indicative of a amateurish campaign. At worst, it's the evidence of saboteurs within your campaign. It means that the never-Trumpers, the uh, rumor as to the demise of the never-Trumpers movement has been grossly exaggerated. They're still there because this is the work of saboteurs. I'm reminded of a few phrases. If you're going to Washington and you want a friend, buy a dog. Another one is, those of us who wanted to see if Donald Trump has the temperament to be president, we're going to find out in a hurry, especially if you work for Trump. I can't be... I can't believe as I sit here right now, and I, 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 there's an inside story and an outside story here. What I'm going to do today is, and I've never been so sure of the insight I can deliver you today. Did I mention unique insight? There's an inside game and an outside game here. <clears throat> By definition, we're not going to know, or at least not have confirmed, maybe ever, the inside game. But I'll tell you today, in the next few minutes, what the inside game is. Here's an example. I'll bet you that Paul Manafort, the director, the big wig, Paul Manafort, I'll bet you he has a job today by a margin of 1%. I'll bet you Trump kept Paul Manafort by... This much. This you fire people for this, and if you're Trump, you also sue them. 
Now, I'm not sure that you fire Manafort. I'm just saying he's the obvious target as the boss of the campaign. And I'm not saying that you sue Manafort. I'm saying that for the same reason. But I'll bet Donald Trump had to be restrained with Thorazine and a straitjacket because this was done, this was a stab in the front to Donald Trump, and they got to him by stabbing his wife. And the inside game on this, and yes, I have talked to people, but I can't quote anybody here. You're going to have to rely on me uh, and, and, and just trust me or not, it's okay, as long as we talk about it. Trump was as livid, uh, again, not my opinion, is that Trump was as livid about this as he gets about anything. Some of these guys are going to be buried with Jimmy Hoffa in the end zone of Giant Stadium in the Meadowlands in a few days. Stabbed in the front, not even in the back. Now, this may, may have been gross professional malpractice. And prima facie, it was. That's at the very least, the very least thing it is, is professional malpractice, the grossest of of negligence. But you know what? That's not the motive. The motive is sabotage. And by the way, it is certainly plagiarism. Does anyone wish to argue that plagiarism did not occur here? (laughs) And as I say... It wasn't a matter of being either sabotage or plagiarism. It was sabotage via plagiarism. Nota bene, Guru Jay say, it wasn't one or the other. It was sabotage via plagiarism. And by the way, piece of evidence number one, that's why the media knew it so quickly. It was seconds between the end of Mrs. Trump's speech and the story hitting the wires that she had just plagiarized verbatim Mrs. Obama from her 2008 convention speech. Is it possible that a member of the press remembered it verbatim? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's possible. Is it likely that within moments someone remembered it verbatim? No, it's not likely. But we didn't have to wait long to see real politics. And if you're wondering if the Never Trump movement is alive, it's alive! This is Jay Severin Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, I'm astounded by the stout fortitude of a certain small number of imbecilic tweeps who wish to insult me 
and, and you, for that matter, and but won't call. They, they limit their fortitude to the anonymity of a tweet, which is fine. We welcome the tweets. It's just a pity that so few people have the brains and balls uh, to want to argue. But our partners are different, starting with our managing partner, Emeritus. Rock A. Hey, sorry, this point to my friend, though. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm here to agree with you. Rocky, you I love you and you're welcome to argue, fight, or even hit me with a beer bottle if you find it necessary. That's what the chicken wire's for, buddy. <laughs> we, we just keep that chicken wire up and we're both safe. So I'm, I I can't argue with you a bit. You know, the question is I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the two speeches side by side and they got the exact words. I mean precisely exact words highlighted, and the chances that those words assembled themselves accidentally, I mean, it's astronomically, <laughs> I mean, it's impossible. I mean, you take yeah. yourself a piece of, take yourself a piece of sand art and shake that piece of sand art until it comes back to what it was originally. That's how high the improbability <laughs> is. It's just Rocky, I don't think that there, there, there are even among some of these uh, remarkable uh, uh, tweeps, I, I don't think there's anyone prepared to argue that it isn't. I mean, I've got people coming close saying, stop with the plagiarism. I mean, but even the people who are the most adamant about this in my bringing it up, no one has yet said in any medium, it isn't true. It wasn't plagiarism. I know. I think a couple people have misunderstood rock and they think that I'm accusing yeah her of plagiarism, which I'm not. And My the, original and, tweet says no, I, the Trumps are victims of plagiarism. I listen, I listen to your words. You and I have long embraced language and logic. It's very important to listen to the words carefully, assemble them the way that they are, use the English dictionary, don't use slang, don't use progressive terms. You know, I mean, stick into pure English, and what words mean is very important. And no, oh, you, your, your you. tweet is per- perfect. And again, I'll say, just to, for those of those out there that aren't getting it, go to CNN Politics, look at this, this uh, thing that's up on, on the Internet here, and look at the highlight words and tell me that that's not plagiarized. Now, it's not the plagiarism that bothers me. It's the fact that they deny it or won't admit to it. If, right. if they can't admit to a simple, small thing like this, then we've got the makings of another Hillary Clinton. Well, don't you, you think, know, got, Rocky, that given Trump's reaction so far when people have otherwise tried to sabotage him, don't you think he'd have the same kind of feisty reaction to this and jujitsu this? You know, don't deny it. Say, yes, right. we were robbed. We were Someone took our money and took our confidence, and worked with us side by side, late at night in a hotel room, blood, sweat, and tears, to work on my my wife's maiden voyage of a speech, and they stole from us. They sabotaged us. Everyone can relate to, you know, being turned on, and that's what's happened here. And and who knows? I mean, uh, wherever this speech came from, you know, that's, that's the main thing to me. Just somebody come out, admit to it, say, okay, this is what happened, and then it's behind you. But 
But well, we've got such- we've got three people on the record who are listed as the principal speechwriters, along with <laughs> Melania. Uh, but the thing is, in in a process like this, with which I'm so intimately acquainted, you there is never. You know, the, the, the number of people listed as speechwriters is always a formal and minimal number. You know, that number always swells in fact. You know, someone adds a phrase, someone subtracts a phrase, Donald Trump gets his hands on it, she gets her hands on it. I mean, the actual number of speechwriters as listed is three. You know that if you count technically everyone who added and subtracted something, it's 33. Sure. You know... I, I, in listening to Melania, too, um, I have no reason to believe that she's not sincere. Not not one thing whatsoever. And I've I listened agree. to part part of her speech, and she sure sounds innocent in that I, I wouldn't think that she was even aware of it. Uh, it was. Uh, I think she is guileless. I really do. I mean, I, I'm not crazy. I know that a woman like that, and I don't mean to be pejorative in saying that, but this is a woman of the world. Uh, Maybe she wasn't when they met, but she certainly is now. And I'm not saying that she's naive, but I do think she's guileless. And I don't think she's capable of sitting down and stealing someone's words. And I don't think she's so stupid that she thinks she could, in this age, steal someone's words and have it go undetected. Which goes right back to your tweet. I believe that they were victims. And I think she's the greater victim here because Donald sure. has the ability to say, hey, who did this? Step up to the plate. Let's get this behind us and say, okay, whoops, we made a mistake. You have here. a sense, Rocky, of who, of who did this? Or just a generic well, sense, could, as I have, that it was, it, it was uh, Trump's staff. Someone turned on, yeah. some insider turned on them. No, I'm no. I, I, I don't have any more to contribute to you other than I agree with you 100%. I wanted to chime in on that because, yeah, I, I think that somebody did it. I mean, no, I don't think. I, I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt that somebody is responsible here, and I don't really think it's Melania. Um, well, you've, you've, you've made one of the most very important observations here, uh, which is, don't deny it. Don't, you know, yeah. the, the first 24 hours of the story, Rock, they've been out there saying, no, it wasn't, it wasn't plagiarism. This was her from her heart. And they've also, on the record, given, as I count so far, either three or four versions from the Trump camp of you know, what their explanation is, and including denials. And it's just not smart. You know what? I would like to take this moment, if I could, to say this is one of the reasons that I so dislike Donald Trump is he came up with this this idea that there was Lion Ted. Well, that certainly was uh, a complete, completely a bad assessment, completely the wrong person calling somebody a liar. He's lying on something as little as this. <laughs> Rock, so, I you know, uh, call I, back very soon, and I mean this week bet. if you can. Uh, I've got to jump because satellite, uh, bottom of the hour break here. But Rocky's just brought up something else which is critically important. And, and it's not related to the sabotage, if that's what indeed it is. Not, not related to the plagiarism, but it is related broadly to the 
non-death of the never Trumpers. And that is Ted Cruz is not going easily into this night. I am hearing that Ted Cruz is making a lot of demands and that his people may walk out. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. I am a big fan of disruptive ideas, and this year, Casper Mattresses is on the top of my list. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I love sleeping on my Casper mattress. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at an unbelievably fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And better yet, it breathes so you don't wake up drenched in sweat. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your home. And if you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund everything. Imagine that, a company so confident that their product is what you want that they'll offer a 100% refund. Made in America, with free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. Go to casper.com slash Glenn, casper.com slash Glenn. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Rocky sets the bar high. Thank you. I love you, my brother. Thanks for calling and uh, calling in first. Uh, other partners on the line, so I will truncate uh, my further opinions on this a little bit, but not entirely. Uh, it, it, and I was tweeting something in response, which is why you guys make me better, because in responding to the tweets, even the ones I don't particularly care for, uh, you know, if we don't agree or I think you're being unreasonable, and I'm sure the feeling's mutual in many cases. Now, look, uh, you do make me better. And in responding to one of these, uh, a, a, a thought pretty much evolved. And that was, I said to, um, gee, is it down that far already? No, I said to Mark. I said to Mark, you know, I hate to see a guy, anybody, lose their job over a mistake, even if it's a gross mistake. And I do. But this was no mistake. See, I hate to see anyone lose their job if they screw up. But there's a difference between screwing up, even a big screw up, and plotting against, you know, your partner or your employer or whatever. Now, we may never find out exactly what happened, but this was no mistake. N- not in the act of commission. The plagiarism was no mistake. Although, okay, maybe, maybe, brilliantly argued, you could reduce that in our minds to you know gross malpractice and negligence. But the leaking it, the way it was used, the sabotage, that doesn't seem to me to be a mistake. Anyway, in saying I, I hate to see someone lose their job over a mistake, just leak the guy's name. He'll never work again. And then it occurred to me, and I added a, a PS, he'll never work again unless, of course, 
it was the Republicans who hired him. When I say leak his name and he'll never work again in Republican politics, well, I was thinking, that was very amateurish thinking of me, because I'm thinking, yeah, wait till, wait till Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and John Kasich find out what this guy did. They'll really be angry. Yeah, he's going to get a $25,000 bonus. Are you kidding me? That's what gives us such intrigue here. Steve from Chicago, Obama's hometown and the murder capital of the world. Welcome. Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me. Um, so first off, I'm a cruise guy, so I got to get that out there. So, but we are where we are now. So I heard this today, and I thought right away, who's the idiot who's handling the PR on this? Because they're completely mishandling it. They need to do what they've been How doing so? the whole campaign. Well, they need to be doing what they've been doing their whole campaign from the Trump side and say, we're the victim. Someone sabotaged us. Look what they did. It draws more attention to this campaign, gets more people on right. the side, gets more people fired up. Right. They completely mishandled it. I agree. I mean, I, 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 there are a couple of things wrong here. One is the wrong explanation. I mean, I think, and, and you think, uh, we agree that it's the wrong explanation issuing forth from the Trump campaign. Maybe the right answer is to not respond at all, though I don't see how you can do that. I, I really think in this case you're forced into a response. But it would appear to be the wrong response, and we can throw all of that in the garbage can right now because the the demonstrable, demonstrable point is they've given several responses which conflict. And that's the biggest sin of all. I mean, they're the victims, as as we agree. The Trumps are the victims. And so in in victimhood, there is a a righteous indignation that the Trump campaign could show. But they're they're even screwing up. Pardon me? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I've seen you've been doing this the whole campaign. And why is it all of a sudden now he's being meek about it? When when someone comes out and blatantly sabotages his wife, he should come out firing, you know, full guns. Yeah. And now we don't Look, have it. I, again, I don't say this. I don't say this to knock. And Steve, thank you so much for the call. I don't say this to knock Paul Manafort. He's a giant in the industry. And uh, so I don't mean to knock Paul Manafort. I'm really talking about the internal dynamics of professional campaigning. If something like this occurred, the person in charge would be, I mean, in in the world I come from, if if I had been guilty of this or mismanaging this, whether or not I did it, if I just mismanaged it, I mean, anybody in, in the 25 years I was doing this, you just, you just wouldn't, you couldn't. You couldn't allow the person in charge to be in charge when the sun came up the next day. I just don't. I don't get it. But the most important thing, uh, because that's spilt milk in a sense, is it not? Whether or not this is sabotage may be wasted energy, because there's there's almost no other available explanation. And again, I haven't heard anybody or seen even on uh, with the anonymity, the glorious anonymity of Twitter, 
have I seen anyone argue that it wasn't plagiarism. Again, not blaming Mrs. Trump, but it was clearly was plagiarism. I, I submit to you it was plagiarism with a purpose. It was sabotage via plagiarism. And there are going to be inside and outside games here. But so far, this is just a mess. I mean, I think, I think the way the Trump campaign is handling it is a mess. one 3393 Do you disagree about any element of this so far or agree and have an element that we've overlooked? one 3393 one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. So, one of the legitimate questions is: Is it wise or unwise? Put another way, I ask you: If you were in charge, would you be talking about this? I mean, I, I'm I'm a talk show host. I'm, I'm not. I have no official capacity. I have no capacity with the Trump campaign. But had you an official capacity? What would you tell your people to do? We're going to issue a one-line statement, and then I don't want anybody talking about it anymore. If you open your mouth and you talk to the press, and I guess what I'm saying is this is, in in the day I was doing this, what I would have said is, okay, I'm issuing a one-line statement, or the candidate is, and then that's it. Anyone who opens their mouth about this is gone. You talk to the press, uh, you talk to them about our speakers tonight, our speakers last night. Talk to them about our candidate. Talk to them about our platform. Talk to them about the weather, if you want. But we don't talk about this anymore. Is that right? Or or does it deserve a a very, very vigorous defense? And if it deserves a vigorous defense, doesn't it deserve a rational one? Not an irrational one? Speaking of irrational, uh, how do you believe the convention is going so far? Not, not, not whether or not you enjoy it. I mean, I'd, yes, yes, I want it to be good for you. Yes, I want you to enjoy it. But it's really not the question, is it? The question is not whether we, who are mostly against Clinton, are enjoying it. It's whether or not people who have yet to make up their minds, what do they think so far? And speaking of irrational, and it bothers me to say this, yes, it does. But it would bother me more not to be true to you. And so I say this. The most lauded moment, other other than until we found out it was plagiarism. Uh, Melania's appearance was the most heralded moment of the opening night of the convention. Uh, And now the second most heralded moment, which now is forever going to be the second most, uh, is Rudy Giuliani's speech. Did you see Rudy's speech? Who saw Rudy's speech and what did you think? I saw Rudy's speech, and I think he behaved like a madman. I, I, I do. I, I, I have known Rudy Giuliani for 25 years, and for that long I have admired him. I, I, 
He's a hero of mine. I, I, I think the world of him. But this is not the first time for Rudy. Some people get in front of a podium and a microphone. Well, almost everyone does, right? It, 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 it's, it sort of changes you instantly. A negative example of this, well, I guess I'm not using Rudy as a positive example so far, am I? A negative example of this would be Hillary Clinton. You know, she starts screaming. Rudy is so brilliant and he's so reasonable. And he's, you know, a trial lawyer and a, and a smart guy. And But he gets in front. The bigger the podium, the bigger the microphone, the bigger the moment, it seems to me that Rudy becomes less Rudian. And last night, I thought he seemed like a crazy person. I didn't think, I mean, Fox all day long has been saying Rudy's speech was passionate. Well, it was passionate, but, you know, I mean, there's passion. And then there's call the men, you know, with the butterfly nets. Again, I love Rudy Giuliani, but I, I, I must be true to us and what we do here and say to you, what what did we, what did I think of that as a speech, as a speech style last night? I agreed a thousand percent with everything Rudy Giuliani said and believes, but I thought he neutralized it largely by behaving like a crazy man. Jay. Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, we will continue in the next hour to discuss, though not exclusively, the motives of Mrs. Trump's plagiarism last night. And again, she is an innocent victim, not an innocent bystander exactly, but an innocent victim of this. Uh, But the motives, well, and the suspects, Jim from Connecticut, welcome. Jay, I've been a fan since those Fridays when we find you at the rack, so it's good to be on your show. Thank you for <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Jim. You're welcome. So my uh, a point here, and I did not hear the speech. All I've heard was your opening this morning or this afternoon with verbatim. I was like, this is interesting. And when I heard what she said, my initial thought was, well, that's kind of lock, stock, barrel, normal stuff a mother would say about what's going on. And then you played what Michelle had said, and certainly there was uh, straight similarities between them. But I looked at it, that's what anyone would say. It's like saying, I love my country, now I've plagiarized someone else. So well, I don't yes. if, if the why spirit think this is, is such plagiarism, when, when, when what was said seems to me to, to be a matter of course to what most people would say describing those topics. Tell me in, that, spirit, in spirit, you are absolutely right. And a defense attorney would, a good one, I think, would use the argument that that you are wisely using here. But the fact of the matter is, Jim, it was verbatim. And it was Michelle Obama's 
convention speech from the first time her husband ran. And it wasn't a series of phrases that merely conveyed patriotism, love of family, all those things. It did so with very particular words and phrasing. And I don't think there's a... (laughs) I've listened to this a hundred times from the BBC in the middle of the night last night to, you know, all day long and read it. And Rocky has sent it to us on Twitter, which I've retweeted. You look at this. And these, this, this meets the textbook definition, the prima facie definition of plagiarism, Jim. It is the so what, use so, so, of another person's words while claiming them to be your own. So what she should be doing is she should go and stand out front and say, I'm offended that people think that loving God, country, family, working hard is only a character trait of Not Michelle Obama. Come on now, that's that, that's, yeah, you, know, I do, you know I don't think that, and I'm not arguing that. But if, if, a, if a Democrat eight years after John F. Kennedy had stood up and said at his inauguration, in closing, ask not what your country can do for you, but rather ask what can you do for your country. And I think you, you, that's where we deviate in thought, Jay, that I think that what she said is what millions of people say every day about their family and their country and their worth ethic. So, Jim, in know, spirit, was, yes. But do you deny that it's for that they are verbatim passages? Uh, I, I do not deny that. I mean, the words speak for themselves. But again, that's like saying I love my country. I, I you know, that's not. Verbatim. All right, Jim, I, I take I I take your point. We just will have to agree, buddy, to disagree on this one. I think plagiarism is plagiarism is plagiarism. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, real politics. We sure didn't have to wait long. Barack and I were raised with so many of the same values. Like, you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going to do. That you treat people with dignity and respect. From a young age, my parents impressed on me the values that you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, and you do what you say and keep your promise. That you treat people with respect. Very toss. You are the best and brightest. Welcome back. Together we are the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin. And some other useful in-context Latin words for today would be verbatim, uh, plagiarism, uh, prima facie, 
ipso facto. And let me quickly welcome Kurt, because I'm just getting so sick of all these calls from South Korea. But Kurt from South Korea is calling, so we're going to make an exception here. Hi, Jay. How are you doing? Kurt, we are well. Are you physically located uh, within uh, South Korea? Yes, I have been living here for five years. Uh, sorry, five months. Oh, sorry. It's five in the morning It's okay. Here. It's okay. I'll, I'll bet it seems sometimes like five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, so I was calling in to accept your challenge about how would you or um, how would I, if I was advising the Trump campaign, and I was thinking about, well, Trump kind of got where he was based on fighting established uh, fight, fighting establishment. So couldn't he kind of come back and just beat this into a pulp saying, see, this is again, even, you know, even though I've won, this is the establishment trying to uh, block my way. And, you know, I'm fighting for the people. This is just Washington politics. This is the same old politicians that have got us in this mess. And they're sabotaging my wife. What a low blow. Look at the size of their manhood, uh, things like that. <laughs> the answer is yes, and not to and not to be a bummer here, but we we did talk a little about that in the first hour. Um, it, procedurally, it begins with how you posture yourself, and I think that you posture yourself. What I would advise my client to do, and I think in accordance with what you're saying is immediately assume the altogether appropriate righteous indignation. Someone has turned on you. Now, of course, between you and me, that's politics, right? But for most Americans who don't really think of their politics that way, you have been, you've been betrayed. This is, in principle, the same thing as a spouse or a mate or you know, best friend betraying e- each other. You don't do it. And this affords the Trumps, I think, an automatic ticket to be able to claim that they are the victims of really awful bastards. You know, who, who the politics is one thing, but taking my money... And, you know, saying you're going to help me defend myself, my wife, as you've just said, Kurt, help my wife defend herself. Then you turn around and take our money, our friendship, our trust, and you betray us. See, there's your op- there's your opening gambit, it seems to me. And I think that I'm not trying to be clever or cute. I think that wins and ought to win the sympathy of a lot of Americans across the political spectrum to be betrayed like that. Now, from there, where you go next, I'm not entirely sure. But without doing A, there there ain't going to be any B. Yeah, and what I was going to say was, and um, just clarifying, sympathy translates to votes, right? Um, Not automatically, but it's certainly you're knocking on the right door. um, Yeah. And then um, the other question I had, this is just kind of a, a side note, but... Is it better to have your convention, like the Republican convention, would it be better to be first, and so that way you can kind of set the table, or would it be able uh, better to be second, like the Democrats, so that way they can respond? 
Like it's which, a great, which is the it's better? It's a great question, and it uh, and it, it betrays used another way. It betrays of you a very thoughtful consideration of the mechanics of this and the politics of this. And the answer is, I don't know. As long as I've been alive and 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 talked to my father, who was uh, involved in his lifetime there has been this perennial or more precisely quadrennial argument whom does it benefit to go first or second and i am more convinced than ever in our lifetimes that it is impossible to predict uh surely enough to do anything with the information uh because first of all it's a kind of a rule set down and the other one uh, the real reason is our politics are defined by the serendipity of events that happen in my father's lifetime. They happened from week to week, you know, for the arrival of Time magazine in the, in the mail, you know. Mm-hmm. And now they happen with, with every quarter hour. There's a new news cycle. And so obviously the politics of July are going to be different than the politics of two weeks later in July or the first week of August. So I'm I'm not sure it would ever be these days possible to predict with any reliability, you know, or strategic value, whom it would help. There are obvious arguments. You, you'd rather leave the last impression. And then the other argument is, no, I'd rather make the first impression. I mean, if we look at our courts of law... It has long been believed that there is an advantage, it say in 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 trial law, that there is an advantage to finishing, to to going last, to, to being able to say, all right, well you've heard all of this, but let me answer each of those points, and so you you get to sum up, you get to respond to everything that your adversary is saying, and you get to say it last, so it's freshest in the memories of the jurors. But the other argument is a lot of people are, you know, of the minds not yet made up variety, Kurt. And so the opportunity to get in there first and create an impression, whether in a trial or this kind of trial, which is effectively the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. God, I hate saying that. It's always easier to make an impression than to unmake an impression. Well, exactly right. Exactly, exactly right. Now, I have a, a, a somewhat related sidebar question for you. Okay. Are the girls really as pretty as I think? Yes. <laughs> well said. <laughs> well, may I ask so. you the circumstance uh, under which uh, you are... You find yourself in yes. uh, South Korea? I signed, um, I am the English teacher. So oh, I teach. You. Um, yeah. And, uh, Wait, let me guess. So I'm English. English. Hmm? I said, let yeah. me guess. English. Okay. That is correct. <laughs> right, right. Um, at, at what and, level? Uh, elementary. So I teach first through sixth grade. Good for you. How, how, are, how are you enjoying it so far? Culture shock sucks. Uh, well, I'll shock bet, that, bet that's true. Are you a single it, fellow? I am. 
I just don't yeah. know what I was uh, going to say if you said no. I was because it would be the greatest tragedy imaginable. <laughs> it would. It would be indeed. But so what? So anyway, what do you, will, you sign up for? Like a hitch of a, a year at a time, or two years, or what? Yes. Yep. One year, um, and then uh, my contract ends in February, and I think I will find a different job in Korea or a different teaching job in a different city and kind of try things out. Um, well, Kurt, I just want you to know, even though we've only known each other four and a half minutes, I want you to know if for any reason you require my presence there to be helpful, I want you to know I'll be on the next flight. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Kurt, thank you so much for listening and calling and for the question, even though you put to me the most painful question in the world. It's it's any question to which my response must be, however rare, I don't know. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, before we return to our partners on the phone, uh, a couple of quick questions. Will this still be a story tomorrow? Most importantly, will it still be a story when Donald Trump speaks his big speech, the big one, on Thursday night? Uh, no, wait, there's a bigger question. Will this still be a story on Friday? Because if Donald Trump has to sail into the headwinds of this negative story, and again, the story, the, the damaging element of the story is not so much that he was played for a fool, though he was. And you can imagine how much he likes that image. Huh? I mean, is there a bigger loser than someone who's paying them to sabotage him? So, as much as Donald Trump has to hate this, if he has to, if he has to look like people in his own party still want to kill him off politically when he's giving his acceptance speech on Thursday, then that's President Hillary Clinton. That's a huge problem. So, my question is, does this story have legs? The plagiarism, one of the plagiarism victims certainly has legs, but does this story have legs? And if you weren't with us in the first hour, uh, question, you know, very serious question. And that is, is this, uh, do, you, do you recognize, do you agree that the Trumps are the victims here? This is not an either or case as people who don't know are saying. They're saying this is either plagiarism or or sabotage and that is wrong that is wrong it is not plagiarism or sabotage it is sabotage via plagiarism what we don't know yet is who did this and my theory is never trumpers people on trump's own staff who may have been placed there 
or secretly paid or encouraged by uh, Rince Pubis or uh, I, who knows, uh, one of the rhinos who figures, all right, if we can't kill Trump publicly, let's try to stab him. Let's take him out et tu brutai uh, style, uh, et tu brutus style. All right, uh, I want to tell you about my favorite moment of the convention so far, and believe me, there's only one, so it narrows down quickly. Scott from North Carolina, thank you for your patience, my friend. Uh, yes, sir, thank you. I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous because I've got such a far-fetched idea here for you. No such thing, buddy. Just And it's all in the breathing. Just breathe yeah. and let's hear it. Because it's never okay. what it appears to be. You're already closer than 90% of the population. Well, I hope so. Um, just your previous statement is very hard to argue. But it could, could it possibly be that this language was intentional by them? By the Trumps? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Because there were two uh, things In order to play the victim? No, sir. In order to come back later and say... This is what was promised to you in 2008, and it was not delivered upon. We mean it this time. That kind of logic. Well, I salute your creative thinking, and I really mean that because, again, the minute you start thinking about what initially appears ludicrous, you're already 90% closer than 90% of the folks. Okay, Uh, because it's never what it appears to be in this case, though, Scott, I would have to say, I think the costs of this to Trump already in the first 16 hours of the story, I think the wound is too is too painful. I think the costs are too steep to make it worth it, at least from the mindset that you you know, that, that you, you, you're thinking about. Now, I don't right. know. You could be right. But I'd have to say that the, the payoff there is too slim for the cost. Okay, because the only reason I arrived at that conclusion was because Rudy also used language very similar to the president when he said there's no white America, there's no black America, there's only the United States of America. Well, but he intended he intended to quote Obama when he was saying that. Sure. He was sure, saying whatever... Whatever happened to he was mocking. He was openly mocking Obama, not trying to deliver those words as if we were hearing them for the first time and they were his. Yes, I just meant maybe they were trying to ram home the point that the promises of the previous administration were never delivered on. I get your rationale. I just I I just can't buy it. I just I can't imagine that they would think. It was worth the cost, though. Again, I, I I admire the creative thinking behind it. Yeah, because I could not figure out any other reason. <laughs> I know exactly. No, it's because it's. A, I mean, it's it's. And maybe I'm the stupid one because maybe sabotage via plagiarism is so self-evident that it can't be that. But I don't know. Sometimes a thing is what a thing appears to be, and often Occam's razor. Uh, you know, you know, old Occam, do you? Yes, sir, I do. 
Okay, so sometimes Occam's razor, frequently Occam's razor is Occam's razor for a reason. Uh, yeah, sometimes it, it a thing truth. is a thing, and and it's you know the straightest, uh, the the uh, shortest distance between two points is a straight line, and I think that's what we've got here of a, a straight line drawn and presented by a very crooked uh, uh, Trump staffer. Scott, yeah, I thank it, you for the call and and the thinking. Yeah, even more important. Last night, uh, you know, I've been to more of these than I've not in my lifetime. These conventions, and and I, I, I mentioned yesterday, I, I kind of miss them. It's, uh, you know, they're they're fun. If politics is your business and media is your business, it's like going to the All Star Game, you know. And and so I, I admit, I admit, kind of missing them. Uh, Though the older I get, the less it appeals to me the idea of going to Cleveland, and uh, <clears throat> and the type of hotel room I'd probably get, uh, that sort of thing. Anyway, uh, I, I I last night I was surprised. I surprised myself at how bored and angry I was getting. Yeah, I was always looking at television, and man, and I said, okay, maybe this is because I'm just jaded. Maybe this is because I've seen this guy slide into third base. 10,000 times and it doesn't entertain me anymore. I don't know. I have to place myself more in the eyes of that, you know, the great audience around America and and try to think of it, you know, less cynically, I think. So that's shame on me for that. But last night, Marcus Luttrell, man, that to me, that's, I don't know who the superstar is from movies or music or anything you can think of. But when Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell came out on that stage last night and spoke from his heart, and I've, I've had the privilege of actually shaking Marcus's hand, I'm telling you, that's my hero. That was my moment. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, one, <coughs> pardon me, one, triple eight, nine hundred, three, three, nine, three, one, triple eight, nine hundred, three, three, nine, three. Hang with me on this one for a second. I don't know if you're interested in this dimension of it, but I'm fascinated by it. This, this remains until this moment for me the the element of greatest fascination i don't i i can't imagine what happened when donald trump and i just want you to hang hang with me here for a second and 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 maybe even tell me what you think at the moment that donald trump and i want you to think of this the, the way it would have occurred for you, me, or any human being, including Donald Trump, okay? This was like a car wreck. I was only in, really in one, let me think. I was only in one car wreck in my life. Uh, I was in a cab, it was in New York City. And the cab driver was an insane person. 
and I bet you we were doing 50 miles an hour, which is not fast unless you're, you know, going down Park Avenue South and going over bumps and the car, you know, other taxis are whizzing by. And we got plowed. We just got jackknifed by another car. And I bounced off the ceiling and smashed the uh, lamp up there, the light, uh, which cut open my head and my shoulder and I was knocked unconscious. And I, I just have to include this part of the story. The, uh, the doors wouldn't open. The driver was knocked out. I was knocked out at least for a moment. I don't know if it was three seconds or three minutes, but I just kind of vaguely remember coming to, and, and it was like someone turned up the volume, you know, on a television and all of a sudden, I couldn't, I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear, and it became louder. And there were people knocking on the cab, and there was one guy trying to shove something through the, the, the window that was open about two inches. He was trying to get the door open, and I noticed he was trying to shove something through the window. And I, I remember vaguely thinking, he's trying to help me. Like, and I looked around, like, do I have all my limbs and... You know, all those things you think of in a moment or don't think of in a moment like that. And I'm starting to come to, the fog is starting to clear. And one of my first thoughts was, this guy's trying to get to me. What? Well, what's, what, what, this guy's trying to get get to me. Wait, he's he's trying to help me. He's trying to help me. Look, uh, we've been in an, ac- an accident, right? A car wreck. And all of a sudden, these things are coming to me. And... I noticed that what he's trying to shove through the window is a business card. And and he gives up and he just kind of flicks at it. And it floats through the tiny opening in the window and it lands on the floor. Just by chance, it lands on the floor next to me. And I'm trying to focus in on it and look at it. It was a lawyer. <laughs> he was trying to give me his card. Uh, and he succeeded. Uh, you know, I would say only in New York, but uh, that's probably not true. Anyway, I have no idea why I brought up the car wreck thing. Oh, I know. Because last night for Donald Trump had to be like a car wreck. Like you're standing there off stage and your wife finishes what you and apparently everyone else thinks is a really well-delivered, poignant set of personal remarks. So there you are. You're, you're cruising. Your beautiful wife has just finished what, what everyone thinks is a great speech. It's well-received. Um, already the news wires are reporting that uh, the convention loved it, that <clears throat> the, 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 the focus groups... Loved it. It's been well-received. You're proud of her. There you are cruising along. And all of a sudden, that's when you get T-boned by the other car. I mean, not that suddenly, but what what was it? Five minutes later, three minutes later, when all of a sudden it starts to cross the wires, uh, Melania Trump committed plagiarism delivers verbatim remarks of Michelle Obama's 2008 convention speech. That must have been like when the the other cab hit my cab. The violence 
of going in one direction nicely and all of a sudden uh, having a violent change of attitude. I just think it must have been something like a car wreck. Now, bearing that in mind, <laughs> bearing my lengthy, my somewhat lengthy preface in mind, this is Donald Trump we're talking about. This is a guy that generally is unaccustomed to being crossed much. I mean, he's in a tough racket, and so I'm not saying he's naive or unaccustomed to the to the battle. But I think this one probably came out of nowhere for him. And all of a sudden, the violence of that change of of, of sensation. Can you imagine how angry Donald Trump must have been? I mean, can, can you imagine the first things that went through Donald Trump's? I mean, knowing him as we think we do, and we maybe we don't, but suspecting of his personality and temperament, what a lot of us kind of assume, can you imagine what he must have been thinking he was going to be doing with the ashy remains of the person once he caught the person who did this, what he was going to do to them. I'm sure it was something medieval. And I, and I, I, you know, my point is, and yes, there actually is one. Do you know what great irony of this campaign for me is and will remain that to the extent I may have harbored doubt whether Donald Trump harbors the appropriate temperament to be president of the United States. I think the fact that he got through the first hour of that last night without killing someone with his bare hands, <laughs> ironically, probably proves right there that he's got the temperament to be president of the United States. If someone did that to my bride and and I didn't know who it was, would probably make it, right, Tw- 10 times worse than if you did know. I, I'm not sure which is worse because you don't, you don't have a target. There's no one you can strangle at that moment. So not knowing adds a dimension of rage to it, I'm sure. But whether you know or you don't know, I just, I don't know. How he got by the first hour of that and then the first day, ironically almost says to me, this is a man who can contain himself. Because I don't think I could have or would have tried. Uh, but there it is. And I hope that by this evening, this story will start to fade, though. It, 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 it's not going to on CNN. And it's not going to do it. It's not going to fade in print media. And the one thing that, since I don't want Hillary to be president, I still can't bring myself to say I want Donald to be president, but I don't want Hillary to be president. And so I kind of view the world through that prism. Uh, And because of that, I just hope that they recognize by now or sometime very soon, the, the Trumps, that the very first step in this is they have to stop denying it. I mean, this is, in every respect, your classic case of being in denial. 
And worse, it was public. It was so public. You know, issuing three or four different statements in the first 24 hours and sending your top people out onto network talk shows to say, no, this wasn't plagiarism. Because it was evidently too painful or enraging to Donald Trump to say, I got played like a loser. I got played. I got suckered. Someone I'm paying took my money and stabbed my wife and me with a knife that I bought. So I I don't know whether that's the explanation, uh, but I'm sure, aren't you, that it has to be part of it. And just by now, they need to recognize that it does not pay. I mean, crime can pay. Uh, I, I don't need to tell anyone in New York real estate that. Crime can pay and pay handsomely. But it, this kind of crime, meaning denial, does not pay. And it, you are handing, you are purchasing a second knife and handing it over to an enemy even worse than whoever this saboteur is. You're handing it to the mainstream media. You're handing them a baseball bat to bludgeon you with. If you keep saying, no, there was no plagiarism. No, the words are kind of similar, but no, no, there was no, there's no plagiarism. No, you have to embrace your victimhood or something. Maybe there's a different alternative. I haven't spent, I'm not on retainer to the Trump campaign. So I admit to not having spent quite as much time on this. Uh, solving this problem as I might have been uh, if if I were waiting for my monthly retainer to be wired into the bank account. But there, there, you know and I know there is another way to do this. I'm just surprised that they exacerbated the problem so much in the first 24 hours, that they poured so much salt into their own wound in the first 24 hours by sending out all the troops to deny what what plagiarism what play what no plagiarism there's go on no, nothing to see here keep moving everyone go home nothing to see here that, that that do do they realize they must right that you cannot say that anymore and they have to be ready by tonight to say something else this is jay febron on the blaze radio network The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. B&B, we're going to talk more about this when we know more about it. I've always found that at least marginally useful. Uh, But we're going to talk about it right now for a moment just to set it up. Because it, and this is pretty dopey, uh, something didn't occur to me that really ought to have occurred to me. And it's kind of really dopey and it's Ted Cruz. Maybe I didn't think of it because Ted Cruz was always my guy, but that's, that's no excuse. 
It may be a marginal explanation, but it certainly isn't a defense. I don't know why I didn't think of this. But what happened to Donald Trump on the first day of his convention, what did happen? What did happen is, don't worry, I'm not going to retell the story or redefine it. But what did happen? What did happen is we don't know yet. What, what, what did happen to Donald Trump on the opening day of his convention is something that may be forgotten by tonight or may plague and ruin this convention and his candidacy. This may define his campaign. This may ruin him, not because of the substance of what happened, just because, you know, the mainstream media is going to latch on to this. The Democrats are going to latch on to this. They're, they're going to just flog it as much as they can. Now, I don't know how much mileage they'll get out of it, but they've got a getaway driver in the mainstream media, so you never know. But given that, given what happened to Donald Trump in the first 24 hours, given all the planning and the money and everything else, look what happened to him in the first 24 hours of this convention. It reminded me of something that I had stupidly forgotten, and that is that Donald Trump has enemies. As I said in the opening moments of the show today, the rumors as to the demise of the never-Trumpers within the Republican Party, his enemies who are sitting there with delegates' credentials around their necks, 50 feet away from him, you know, I kind of lost sight of that. And the fact is, Ted Cruz is down there with his delegates. And when I look at what happened to Trump, what can made to be happen, or what can what what can made to a to well, let me give up on that one. Look what happened in the first day. It reminded me that he has enemies, and they're not dead, and they haven't gone away. And Ted Cruz has to be dealt with. I don't mean that in a sinister way. I just mean, I now realize that it's not whether Ted Cruz is going to be a worry, like getting Ted to fall in line and go up there and speak in glowing, worshipful, endorsing, embracing terms of Donald Trump. I was kind of assuming that. I was presuming it. And now I realize that was a cold slap in the face last night, and I realize... Trump's got a lot of enemies. And Ted Cruz, just for openers, Ted Cruz ain't going quietly into the good night. And I keep hearing rumors from people who are there that I'm talking to that there are a lot of rumors that the the Ted Cruz delegation is going to walk out, that he's going to demand stuff, and there's going to be a fight between him and Trump. In other words, more politics. It gets better. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.